0: The following program is sponsored by The National Prayer Chapel You're listening to an encore presentation Of Pilgrim's Progress We will not be taking calls today Adam produced sinners. Christ produced the righteous. There is no righteousness in Adam and there are no sinners
1: in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you a question. What does saved mean? It's a common word. It's not very complicated. In the Greek, it's sozo. What does saved mean? Let's say that a person has cancer stage four. They're very sick. And I come to them as a pastor. And I say to them, I'm going to pray for you. And then you are healed. And you must believe that you are healed. You may see no evidence that you're healed. But just believe that you are healed. And So I come and I pray and I say, be healed in the name of Jesus. And they continue to feel sick. Each day their condition worsens. They are being eaten up with cancer. Have I saved that person from cancer?
0: I can say that I saved them from cancer, but do they still have
1: cancer? They're still having to take medication. Their pain level is extremely high. They continue to lose weight. They continue to fade away. Have they been saved from cancer? And then one afternoon, that person simply stops breathing. The undertaker is called. The body is taken to the morgue. did I save that person from cancer? Any reasonable person will
0: have to answer, no. You can say that you saved them, Pastor. You can can claim that they were healed.
1: But the reality is, they still had cancer. And it killed them. And so I go to the funeral and I stand up in front of the congregation and I say, this person is still alive. I saved them from their cancer. What would the people in the congregation say?
0: They might say to me, Pastor, prove it. Help them get up out
1: of the casket. Well, then we'll know you saved them. It's obvious what Saved means, it's not a complicated word. You would
0: all say, Pastor, you're insane. You're crazy. You've not saved that person from cancer. And they have died. And they are going to be buried. And they died of cancer.
1: You see, it's not what I say that makes the difference. Another simple example. A man is drowning. He's going under the water. And I say to this man, Hey, don't worry. I've saved you.
0: After you're dead, I'll pull your body over here to the side,
1: and then you'll come back to life. Well, have I saved that person? No, I've not saved that person at all.
0: Or let's say someone has leprosy, or someone is in a burning building, and I call up to them in the burning building and say, Don't be concerned, you're saved. Well, you say, Pastor, you're speaking nonsense today. Well, yes, I would agree with you. The very common understanding correctly so, of the word sozo, or saved, is to be taken out of a dangerous situation and brought into a place where they are safe. In the case of the drowning man, it would be to reach out my hand and take a hold of him, like Jesus did with Peter, and draw him up out of the billows. Then I can rightly say when he is seated in the boat,
1: I have saved Peter. He's safe. But as long as Peter is drowning, have I saved him? Absolutely no. See, words mean things. And we have to
0: be very careful in our usage of words that the words
1: we use have honest meaning Now there is a great lie that I've been addressing over the last week and a half and that is the lie that a man can be saved and remain in his sin. That too is insane.
0: A man cannot be saved from his sin and still be in his sin. That's a manipulation, a misuse of the English language or the Greek or
1: any other language. Now, the problem comes, specifically, when a man or woman does not think that they need to be saved. In reality, if I'm out in my backyard and I look across to my neighbors, and
0: and they do have a swimming pool. I look across in my neighbor's yard, one yard away from where I am,
1: and I see a man in the swimming pool, and I see that he is drowning. And I jump my neighbor's fence, I rush over, and
0: I put into practice the old skills from college days and I dive into the pool and I rescue him. I bring him to the side of the pool. I help him out out of that pool and I put him in an
1: easy chair, a lawn chair. He stretches out. He's been saved. He's been saved from drowning. He's going to be
0: very grateful to me He's going to rejoice in what he has had happened to him because he was dying and now he is saved. He is released from the clutches of the, of the water that was filling his lungs.
1: He is delivered. He is saved. He is brought to a safe place. But what would happen if I were in my yard? And I
0: looked across. And I thought my neighbor was drowning. And so I race over, I jump the neighbor's fence, I dive into the swimming pool, I pull him to the side, I pull him up out of the water. And he says, What in the world are you doing? What is your problem? Why are you assaulting me? And I say, Because you were drowning. And he says, I was not drowning, I was just playing. I'm okay. I'm not drowning. Get out of
1: here. He might even call the police and have me arrested for assault. See, when a person doesn't think they need to be saved, and you try to save them, they can become very angry. What I've been trying to do over the last weeks, months to show you your desperate need to be saved. And you have, many of you, comforted yourselves with this wicked Gnosticism, a pagan belief that is taught now widely
0: throughout America and is resulting in great damage to the body of Christ and causing countless numbers of souls to be lost and
1: cast into hell. Innumerable numbers. Satan made two statements that have brought innumerable people into his clutches. He said first to Eve, You shall not surely die. Equal with that statement is the statement, You're saved. You can still sin. Both are straight from the heart of the devil. Both will bring total destruction upon your life. To be saved means
0: to be pulled out of danger or out of harm's way. It means to
1: be delivered. It means to no longer sin against the Almighty God. Have you been saved? No, I mean really, have you
0: been saved? If you're walking in sin, you have not yet been saved. You are still lost. I'm not speaking here about immaturity or infirmity. I'm speaking here very specifically about rebellion against the Most High God. Rebellion and disobedience To the clear commands of Jesus regarding your life,
1: what you do, what your actions are, what your attitudes are. Sin is voluntary action. So have you been saved? One of the places that this lying teaching comes
0: from is the seventh chapter of the book of Romans. I'm going to begin today to unfold the context of the seventh chapter and do my best to bring some enlightenment that will destroy the fallacy of the sinning Christian based on the claim by MacArthur and other pastors well-known that claimed that the Apostle Paul was the chief of sinners.
1: I recall when I was a child, one writer wrote, The closer you come to Jesus, the more sinful you will appear in your own eyes. I know that to be a lie. I know the
0: closer I come to Jesus, the greater is the peace in my soul.
1: I went out this morning before the broadcast on an errand of mercy
0: for a family who had a desperate need and the
1: Lord told me to go and meet that need and I noticed that as I went I could not bring up
0: any of my feelings of the past of condemnation.
1: I had asked Jesus will you literally save me from all sin? And his answer was, yes, I will.
0: And in my heart, I was just rejoicing today as I
1: went on this errand of mercy. I had absolute peace in my heart.
0: Remember the passage in Matthew? Maybe I ought to just turn to it to make sure I get the wording exactly right. But in the
1: book of Matthew, the 11th chapter, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Or I will give you a place of repose. I'll give you a bedroom where you can sleep, if you please. A cessation. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart.
0: And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I was going out today rejoicing in my heart that I had no heavy burden regarding my salvation. I had no heavy burden because I'm yoked up with Jesus. And as I am yoked up with Jesus and I go where
1: he sends me and I do what he tells me, I am not sinning against him. And so everywhere I go, I don't take Jesus with me. Jesus takes me with him. So I walk in his peace and I walk in his joy. Now I do have some heavy burdens. But they are not heavy burdens of my construction. I have a heavy burden in my heart.
0: Because the Lord has a heavy burden in his heart, and I'm
1: yoked up with him. And that heavy burden is your life of sin.
0: Praying that the Lord will open your eyes and your heart to understand that you can be yoked up with Jesus. You can be released from that yoke with the devil. You do not have to continue being yoked up with Satan. You can be set free from that yoke. It can be broken from you by the blood of Jesus. And you can walk peacefully, joyfully, trusting in every circumstance, letting Jesus work out exactly what you need to do. The stress and the struggle comes from a lack of
1: belief and trust in the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. So I'd like to begin now and walk with you. We obviously will not
0: finish this today, but we will certainly get a head start on it. I want to walk with you first through the context of this chapter. You recall this passage in 7.14, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do I do not do, but what I hate I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out for what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. And many of you have been taught. I've listened to countless preachers teach this, that this is the condition of the saved Christian because it was the Apostle Paul's condition. I want to assure you today, this is not the Apostle Paul's condition condition as he is yoked up with Jesus Christ. This is Paul's condition as he walks
1: as a Jew under the law. And he is not able to find righteousness in the law.
0: Paul's heart cried out for real righteousness.
1: He could not find it in the law. He found it in Jesus but let's look at the context of this passage
0: a basic principle of all hermeneutical work in the scripture is context 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 meaning read the bible around the passage don't just pull that passage out and try to make it what you want it to mean instead read what the writer of the of the book was trying to say to you understand the context upon which this passage was was written so we'll begin with chapter 6 chapter 5 was was teaching us about how sin entered the world through one man
1: and all sinned and then how this one man Jesus Christ came and brought life Chapter 6 is going to talk now about how we begin to walk into that life. Chapter 6, verse 1, what shall we say then?
0: Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And literally in the Greek, it's shall we go on sinning occasionally so that grace may increase? verse 2, by no means, but the literal translation is, absolutely not. It is as strong
1: in the Greek as it can be. Absolutely no. He says, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer?
0: Now, either Paul is a hypocrite and he has a secret life of sin, or he is a man who is righteous and because he's claiming that he has died to sin, that he no longer lives in it. And then he goes on in verse 3, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Well, what is the new life in reference to? It is opposed, on the other side, to the old life. What is the old life? The old life is the life
1: of sin and destruction. He's saying, when we die with Jesus,
0: we are raised from the dead just as Jesus was,
1: and then we live a new life. We don't live a pretend life. We
0: don't live a life of fourth-stage cancer with Jesus telling us, you're healed and you're saved, and we still have cancer. No, when Jesus healed a man, there was nothing make-believe about it. When he told a man to rise up and walk, that man stood up on his feet, his ankles were firm and solid, and he walked. When he told a leper, Go and offer the sacrifices, and you are clean, that man was healed of his leprosy. He no longer had leprosy, it was gone. All through the New Testament, to be saved is to be restored
1: to a safe place, and sin is not a safe place. Now, here's the issue. If we have been
0: united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. And so my question to you, please.
1: Do you walk in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Do you walk free
0: of sin in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Or do you believe this wicked Gnostic teaching that says that the flesh is going to always sin, but the spirit is pure gold. And so you can dip the pure gold down into the sewer and then you can draw the piece of gold out and wash it off and it still shines, it's not tarnished. The filth could not touch the gold. That was the teaching of the Gnostics it's also the teaching of the modern church in America that you're saved even while you're sinning. So your flesh is wicked you're walking in the wickedness of your flesh, but don't worry, you are saved. Jesus forgave you past, present, and future sins at the cross. He finished everything there, so you are saved. That is simply Gnostic theology. It is not Christian theology. It is a lie to the Christian gospel, and it has done more harm, more harm than any other single teaching of any heretic in the history of
1: the Christian church. It is utterly an evil teaching. got a note yesterday. I don't have it here close, or I'd read it for
0: you quick. But basically, this pastor, this preacher of the gospel, was saying that she preached at the church as a guest preacher. And when she was finished... The preacher let her know that she would not be welcome to continue preaching there because she made everyone so uncomfortable. Well, in what way did she make them uncomfortable? Because she spoke against the lie of the sinning Christian. And she spoke about what it's going to take to die to our sin, to the law, and what it takes to enter into Jesus Christ and be saved. And of course, the pastor did not want everyone in the church to suddenly realize that they were lost because then they would leave. He was afraid he would lose money and prestige and power. So he doesn't tell his people the truth and his people are happy in their sin. And he tells them they're saved and they're covered by grace and everything's okay. And it's a putrid lie from the pit of hell. You can dance it up all you want, you can put it in fancy clothes, you can
1: speak it in, in humor and in grace, still lie. it's not true. Now, this would be horrible news that I'm speaking to you if I could
0: not also speak to you the truth that Jesus Christ is in the business of saving you from your sin, not sometime in the future. He's here right now to save you from your sin. The Holy Spirit's presence is mighty right now in this broadcast studio. So I know wherever you are listening to this broadcast, the Holy Spirit's presence is with you in your car or in your home or in
1: your office. And right now, you can be saved from your sin. It will mean, on your part, dying to that sin,
0: renouncing it, casting it away from you, and putting your full trust and confidence in the blood of Jesus Christ
1: to scrub you clean, to take you through the cross.
0: Many of you want to stay on the wrong side of the cross. You want to stay on the side of the cross where you can repent and keep your sin and feel bad and go do it again and then settle into a dead kind of Christianity where there is no life and there is no power and there is no deliverance, but it's a wonderful social club. It's a wonderful place where you can hear beautiful music. You can go out to dinner afterward. You can have wonderful friends, but what
1: are you going to do in the end when you die and you are still in your sin? I drove an 85-year-old man and his wife
0: to a Walmart because she needed to pick up a few things and needed me to drive them. And so I drove them to the Walmart. And her husband said, would you park over here, right here? This is perfect, right here. I said, why do you want to park here? He said, because I want to watch all the pretty girls as they go in and out. 85 years old, still lusting after the pretty girls in his heart,
1: claiming to be a Christian. 85 years old and still has not gained the victory. That's not the Christian gospel. That's a make-believe gospel. The real gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 9. We know that since Christ was raised
0: from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves or inventory yourselves Dead to sin. In other words, take an inventory of your life right now and say, is there any sin dwelling in me? Inventory your life to be certain that you are dead to all sin. It says, in the same way, inventory yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. So we have mortal bodies. And Paul is saying, don't let any sin dwell in your body. Now, how
1: could he say that if it were impossible? Now, let me just stop a minute and sit back at this desk and try to just talk to you for a minute sin is very attractive as presented to us by satan it has very enticing qualities we all have hungers hungers to be loved hungers to be fed hungers to be successful, hungers to be somebody. Our natural flesh body produces all kinds of hungers. So what do we do with our hungers? Jesus said that he was the bread of life. Jesus said that his broken body was real food and his spilled blood was real drink. So it literally means on a spiritual level I come to Jesus and I eat his flesh and I drink his blood. And the claim of the gospel is that the drinking
0: of that Precious blood and the eating of that precious broken body
1: will fill every hunger of your heart. But sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes the hungers come so strongly for that alcohol
0: or for that darkness of whatever stripe and nature it is, sometimes it comes so powerfully that we just stop thinking and we say, I have to have it. So we indulge the sinful nature. We sin
1: against God. And then we say, it's impossible for me not to sin. So what is the answer for this pilgrimage? Because
0: this is Pilgrim's Progress. That's the radio show. And my name is Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge,
1: Virginia. So what happens? That I could be enticed by the devil to sin against Jesus. Well, If you think about it, it's fairly obvious. If the devil is able to lead me away from
0: Jesus, if he is able to convince me to allow Jesus to become secondary in my heart, if he can cause things to become so large around me in the physical realm that all I can see
1: is the world, the flesh, and the devil, he has me. That's why, if I want to walk clean with Jesus, I have to walk in Jesus. Yes, I have to read the Word, the Scriptures. Yes, I have to pray. Even more importantly, I have to actually be in the presence of Jesus. I have to know Him. He has to become everything for me. He has to become the desire of my heart. How does that happen? It happens by not taking the actions that lead me away
0: from him and instead taking the actions under the divine influence of God in the grace of God to take those steps toward him we're told in the scripture that no temptation will come to us, else a way of escape be also given to us.
1: The way of escape is Jesus Christ. If you are swept away time after time by sin, it's because you are filling your
0: heart and your life with worldly things, even things that may not be wrong but still filling your heart with worldly things
1: to the exclusion of Jesus Christ. A true follower
0: of Jesus Christ will be a strange anomaly in this world. They will not plunge into the decadence of this world. They will not be found in the dance studio They'll not be found in the clubs and the lounges. They'll not be found at the bar. They'll not be found giving all of their time and energy and effort to money.
1: They will not be found with friends who scorn the name of Jesus Christ. They will be found in the presence of Jesus The world will call you fanatical. It will call you crazy. You'll lose friends. You'll have
0: to close some friendships very politely, but you'll have to simply choose not to be with them anymore because they are totally of the world. And now if you're with them, it's for the purpose of loving them and ministering to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't go in the same old way and just enjoy the
1: worldly things that they enjoy the movies, the sports. I'm just trying to be very honest with you today. If You want to be saved, you're going to have to leave the world. Leave it in the sense of not being of it, being in the world, but not of the world. And you may even have to leave the church you're a part of because. That
0: church teaches that faith is simply a, a legal transaction and your past, present, and future sins are covered. If you go to a church where they teach God has unconditional love, if you go to a church that
1: constantly talks about grace as a covering for your sin, that you're saved, you're going to have to leave that church if you want Jesus because he won't be found there. You'll find religion there, but you won't find Jesus there, and you won't find the Holy Spirit there. The Holy
0: Spirit came to convict us of our sins, not to comfort us in our sins. The Holy Spirit was sent to teach us about Jesus, about his righteousness and his holiness. Now, I'm, I'm not trying to be controversial with you. I'm not trying to be difficult with you but you cannot have the world and Jesus at the same time. You're going to have to
1: choose. I am desperately concerned for my listeners, for you. I'm trying, with all of the strength of Jesus working in me, to raise your
0: spiritual awareness of your situation before the throne of God. That you could begin to see and know and understand the crisis that you are going to be facing if you do not allow Jesus to
1: save you from your sins. This is of utmost
0: importance. There is no other, pardon me, there is no
1: other single thing more important in this whole world. Than to be freed of your sins.
0: To be forgiven, affamy, to be to have your sins wiped out, and then to be utterly separated from them. There is no more important thing in the world than for this to happen in your life. It's more important than the college you're going to, it's more important than the work you're doing. It's more important than your family. It's more important than anything. Because you're dying a fourth stage. Sin, it's terminal.
1: Sin is terminal unless you are saved from it. So what are you going to do? I'm going to invite you to come to the National Prayer Chapel. There are other churches you could go to, but
0: I am not aware of where they are or or who the pastor is, who is teaching the truth. I'm not the only one teaching this great truth. There
1: are others. But I know where you can hear the truth. I know where you can be set free of your sins.
0: I know where Jesus will meet you and minister to your heart. And I invite you to come and bring your family. It doesn't matter how far you have to drive. Every person in the listening range of this radio can drive an hour, even an hour and a half if necessary to be in
1: the house of the Lord. To be with other people who are being set free of their sin we meet at the All Saints Anglican Church. All Saints Anglican
0: Church. It's located at 14851 Gideon Drive. That's like the famous Gideon in the scriptures. 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia. 22192. When you come to All Saints Anglican Church drive around in the parking lot to the back side and there you'll see double glass doors come in through those double glass doors in the lower lobby and immediately on the left-hand side will be the worship center for the National Prayer Chapel. We begin with corporate prayer. You're welcome to join us at 12 o'clock noon on Sunday for corporate prayer. You can get up and have some breakfast go to have brunch, and then come and hear the word of God. Be convicted. Be helped in the journey by
1: leaving your sins behind. Be saved by the blood of Jesus. Now, before I go further and we run out of time today, I also
0: I let you know again that we're coming to the end of the month. I want to thank each of you who has sent your faithful tithe
1: and offerings. I know many more of you. I invite to send whatever the
0: Holy Spirit gives you to send. One precious woman will send ten dollars. Another will send three hundred dollars. Another 1,000. Whatever it is the Holy Spirit has called you to give, then please step forward and give that. Write to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Many of you have listened for quite some time to this broadcast, but you've never responded If you're being fed by what I'm teaching you out of
1: the Word, then I urge you to respond. Again, it's the National Prayer Chapel, Post
0: Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia,
1: 22195. Now let's continue with this sixth chapter
0: of the book of Romans as we move toward the 7th
1: chapter, where the real heart of this whole thing is. Romans, the 6th chapter. Verse 11, In the same way, count
0: yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness, for sin shall
1: not be your master. Let me say that again for sin shall not be your master because
0: you are not under law but under grace you cannot understand the 7th chapter of the book of romans if you
1: do not understand what paul is doing with the question of the law he says you are not under law you are under grace Grace, according to Paul, teaches us to say no to ungodliness. You find that in Titus. Now let me take another step. What then? Shall
0: we sin because we're not under law but under grace? By no means or absolutely not. Unquestionably, absolutely no. But you see, if you offer your body as
1: servants of the world, you will then be enticed into sin. So if you're struggling with sin, you are struggling because you have not yet
0: refused the world's invitation and turned to Jesus.
1: You see, here in the sixth chapter, it talks about Jesus died on the cross. You cannot be
0: in Jesus unless you too have gone to the cross. The entry point into Jesus' heart is the cross. You cannot enter into
1: the heart of Christ through any door but personal crucifixion.
0: In other words, we must die to ourselves and to sin to be brought into the crucifixion so that we can be resurrected in newness of life. Many of you listening to this broadcast today have never been crucified with Christ. You've never denied yourself, and you've never taken up your cross, and you've never followed Jesus to Golgotha, and there been crucified with Jesus. You haven't done that. Instead, you took a shortcut, you joined the church, you love everything about it, you have the wonderful benefits of being in the church, but you're not born from above. You're not a Christian, and sin sweeps you away time after time after time. You feel guilty about it, but you can't do anything because you're swept away by your sin. You have no power to resist because you've never been born from above.
1: And yet you call yourself a Christian. That's like saying that a a man with cancer is saved as he dies of of his cancer.
0: You can call yourself a Christian, but if you're dying of your sin, you're
1: going to go to the grave and you're going to go to hell. You have to die with Christ. You have to give up your life. To become one with Christ, you must enter at the cross. That's why the cross is so precious to us. What shall we say? Verse 15, shall we sin because
0: we're not under law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you're slaves to the one whom you obey, and that word slave is due loss, meaning you have no life outside of that that master. Do you have a life outside of Jesus Christ? If you have a life outside of Jesus Christ, you are not saved. You're lost. Because for the Christian, there is no life outside of Jesus. He is our everything. There is no separation from Jesus. You cannot go to church and do the church deal and then go to the world and do the world deal. That tells me you've never been born from above. You're not saved, you're lost.
1: Jesus wants to save you. Do you want to be saved? Almighty God, I plead your blood over every person
0: listening. I ask that the conviction would sink deeply into their heart. I ask that the reality of their lostness, if they're walking in sin, would become very plain before them, and that you would grant to them the gift of godly sorrow. I ask that you would so disturb them that they could not sleep, so disturb them that it consumes their heart and their mind until they make their peace with you, Jesus.
1: Lord, I plead your blood today. And I know that you have the power to save, that you have the willingness to save,
0: that your greatest desire is to save, Mighty God, have mercy on your people today. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. to Him who was able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory.